Hello and welcome to another episode of uh, the Shazam Sons podcast. I'm Aaron Thuringer and I'm with Matt Baker. Hi, Matt. Oh man, that's me. It's it's great to be here. And that's you. That's you. Yeah, uh, you're that Aaron, one. Bef- before we before we get going on another forty minutes to an hour of great Sons talk, I want to let you know that. This episode is brought to you by Steiner Sports. I've heard of them. Steiner Sports is the leading producer of authentic sports memorabilia and hand-signed collectibles. And for our listeners, if you use promo code ALMIGHTY2017 at checkout, you'll receive a 20% discount on your purchase. I was just looking at this website, Aaron, and you know what they have that you can get for 20% off? It is a signed picture of Tecmo Super Bowl, the touchdown Bo Jackson, signed by Bo Jackson. Wait, it's actually just like a screenshot of of the game? Yeah, it's a picture of the touchdown, uh, Wow! the thing when you score a touchdown, and it's signed by Bo Jackson. It's perfect. I, I so, want that. I'm not going to yeah, lie. Well, I want that. Y- you can get it for 20% off if you enter promo code ALMIGHTY2017 at checkout. Now, Aaron, we're switching it up this week, and you're the, you're the commander of this ship. So I'm, I'm grabbing onto the sides, and I'm ready to go wherever you go. So what are we talking about this week? All right, so we wanted to change things up a little bit this week and not just uh, talk about every Suns game that happened the past week. We're actually interested in... Matt, I read a really interesting article this week on Bright Side of the Sun, Great Sun's blog, and I think you read yeah. it too. Yeah. It was about this kind of the the tank versus anti-tank, because there's, there's two factions of Suns fans, right? There's Suns fans that want to tank. All they want to do is tank. They just, they seem miserable. And then there's the other Suns fans that, you know, they're not, they don't really care about the long-term future. They just want to see their team win. And this Can article, I... sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, and stop me if this is way off base, but I was watching, I was watching the Timberwolves Suns game the other night, the one where Wiggins hit that game winner. Mm-hmm. And I know it's different in the arena; you go to see your team win, but they kept showing the crowd who was getting pumped up, and they were showing women and little girls who were getting excited. And I thought it was interesting really? because I I don't know if I was supposed to read into this, but to me it's like, uh, let's just say the men, the one who are more likely to live and die by their every move, might embrace the tank more than the women who are not obsessive about every little transaction and every dumb thing the sons do, and they just want to see the women that have lives. And basic, basically to do. Right. That's but and that kind of goes with the point of it they're I think they're probably less likely to pay attention to the minutiae of the the team. So they just see the Suns and they want the Suns to win. Now granted, obviously there are people on they're men and women on both sides, but the men, the the ones on the message boards, the people who live and die by every three are probably more likely to want the tank. Does that sound, does that kind of off base? Do you think? 
Well, Matt, it's 2017 and message boards are pronounced <laughs> Twitter now. Um, but no, you're right. I, I think that's a really astute point. And I wonder if they would have cut to to more men down that stretch, if the men would just be, I don't really know what like a tank face looks like, or uh, I want our team to lose <laughs> because I want a tank. But yeah. I just imagine that would be someone furiously tweeting while a game's right. happening. Tank face is, is the a... name of this episode, by the way. Tank face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah. But the article brought up some, some really good points. I mean, this is a, this is a debate that unfortunately teams and fan bases in the sun position have to go through the tank or not the tank. And I, I'll, I mean, I'll say that, you know, I get sick of watching these Suns games and not being able to fully root for them to win. The Utah game two weeks ago, we talked about this on our last podcast. That was a fun game. The Suns were playing well down the stretch and I kept having to reel myself in. In fact, I, I think I even posted a, a gif on Twitter of a uh, Kylo Ren struggling with the light side and dark side. That's how I felt <laughs> like, you know, show me the way like I, I, the, the fandom draws me to just, I want them to win and I have to bring myself back to the tank side of things. But this article was very astute and it had some interesting points that I wanted to discuss with you, Matt. And the uh, first right. one is, is this Ryan McDonough's fault for not picking a direction? Well, there's, we all the 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 problem. We all know. Uh, I say that as a blanket statement, but uh, you know, let's twenty. You know, yeah, twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen was supposed to be the start of a kind of a tank, and then they won what forty eight games that year. So it yeah, they it, pulled off a a terrific trade of, of of Jared Dudley for Eric Bledsoe, which I don't even I don't think. McDonough probably had no idea how good Bledsoe was actually going to be. Right. I, but but uh, it, he he could have, too, because Bledsoe, Bledsoe was not an afterthought in the league. He was, he was, if you wanted to get a player and you were the Clippers, it more than likely you were going to have to give up Bledsoe. So the fact that they got Bledsoe for Der- Jared Dudley, I always thought was crazy. So Yeah, that's a, that's a not, this is a little off topic, but... No yeah. one talks about that trade as being one of the bigger heists of this decade. I mean, they traded oh, yeah, no, it, it one year of Gary Dudley for this stud point guard. He has injury problems. That's probably why, but that was a heist. Yeah, because and it, it was his third year. It was his third year in Los Angeles, and uh, yeah, they. I, I I remember thinking at the time. I had no idea what was going on because it was just, it seemed insane. Excuse me. But so they tried that. So what, obviously if you win 48 games, you're not going to go into that off season and be like, well, the tank is going to start today, but yeah. it, it just didn't work out. They, they, uh, the next off season, they went after, they signed Isaiah Thomas, which threw him into that crazy three point guards. This is, this seems like it should be awesome, but really isn't working type thing. And, and you know what's uh, funny is that clearly didn't work, and that ruined the chemistry the team had the year before, but that contract they got Isaiah Thomas for is an insane contract. Right. And the Celtics, of course, 
reap the benefits of it today, but he makes $6 million a year, and the guy is a complete fourth-quarter killer this year. I Yeah, so it would be easy to sit here. I, I'm going to – I'll be honest. I When the Suns made that trade with Boston, I was in favor of it just from the standpoint of what they had couldn't continue. I'm not going to – I'm not going to sit – I can't sit here and say that I was – vehemently opposed to it i i was actually pretty pretty fine with it now the when i when i kind of came less fine was when they also got rid of goron when they traded Dragic later like so it 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 almost seemed like they were trying to do too much because then they then they ended up getting brandon knight and it it just turned into a mess it they knight's you know, our tank commander this year. He the fans don't like him. He he has to have a terrible plus minus. He comes into games and the team looks lost when he's the point guard. But when they right. traded for him, he was playing all star caliber ball from a a good Milwaukee team that year. Milwaukee hasn't been nearly as good since is that one year, if I remember correctly, even with yeah. the the development of Greek Freak. And at, sure. at, the, at that time that was a good trade you thought this guy's 23 he's 63 he's doing great in Milwaukee but in retrospect right. obviously he plays barely any minutes and Isaiah Thomas is a superstar now well yeah and the the other thing that harmed the tank was coming off of that was getting so close with LaMarcus Aldridge that they <clears throat> excuse me they signed Tyson Chandler so they committed money to that, which is not money you should be committing if you're looking to full-fledged tank. But also, if you're on the verge of getting Lamarcus Aldridge, you're gonna you're gonna probably run that risk. Now, Tyson, the Tyson contract has turned out to be pretty good. He's what he is having a monster year this year on the boards. But it's just and the cap the, change helped that too, right? And but the problem with the Suns is. Uh, McDonough, I th- McDonough took risks that I I wouldn't say aren't are bad risks. Like getting signing Tyson Chandler at a at, for a shot to come down to the wire with Lamarcus Aldridge is not is a pretty solid risk. Trading yeah. Goron, who doesn't want to be there, and getting a twenty three year old point guard back is a pretty decent risk. It. Yeah, and Goron just... was, I mean, Goron, it was tough, but he was about the only player on the team the fans connected with, right? and they really felt a void until Booker came along, but Goron's, yeah. I mean, he's pretty much done with his prime, and the, the Heat franchise looks like a mess, and the Suns have, I mean, there's a possibility that these two unprotected first-round picks the Suns have become yeah. Brooklyn Net level type picks maybe not to that extreme because Miami can always get free agents and Pat Riley might have something up his sleeve but if Pat Riley is just like you know what that's it for me I'm just gonna go retire to my South Beach South Beach mansion and look at my rings all day then the heat just be a mess and oh incredibly valuable draft picks to Phoenix right so next year the first round draft pick is actually top seven protected, and then it's unprotected the following season. Yeah, and um, in my mind, I think that it's probably going to end up being two unprotected firsts then. Right. Because they're not going to so, get... I think the Heat are going to be top seven next year. 
Yeah. They, uh, or this year, you mean? This this draft? This year and next. But, I don't really know yeah. how this team... This team isn't going to bounce back right away. Right. Um, so I I think it, it's... I think that to answer the original question is, I wouldn't want to give McDonough the blame necessarily because he the risks he took weren't wild they, he didn't he didn't sign we were we were just talking about before we started recording that the New Orleans Pelicans have been a disaster since drafting Anthony Davis like they they threw a bunch of money at Solomon Hill Etwan Moore they got Terrence Jones for cheap but then they got and Tim Frazier so they're just kind kind of trying to surround Anthony Davis with a mishmash of players now McDonough didn't do that. McDonough hasn't done that. He he's made he's taken these risks that just haven't paid off. It, You're right. He he's done that. He's made some really good draft picks. That's the saving grace. But I do think he kind of had that. You know, he's very analytical. He's very on the mm-hmm. analytic side, and sometimes you completely undervalue team building and and personality management when that happens and i think right. that happened with the three-point guard thing i think he just saw an undervalued asset in isaiah thomas he was 100 percent right incredibly undervalued asset right but i don't think his analytical mind was thinking well this is going to piss goron off and this is going to kill chemistry yeah yeah because that kind of happened goron went from being phoenix's chosen son to being pretty upset overnight it was yeah, it was that, kind of it was kind of interesting to, to watch play out that um, escalated quickly right let me ask so, you this matt do you yeah. think that mcdonough should have should have taken the competing pieces off the roster not, and not given earl watson veterans to play a lot of I think, people in the tanking faction get upset at earl watson because he plays big minutes to pj tucker and Tyson Chandler and, and other veterans, veterans, excuse me, should McDonough remove that possibility entirely from the roster? Well, I think that's probably that's probably the biggest complaint that people have this season, right? It's they can every people can handle the losing, they can handle uh, uh, Bender and Chris not being crazy awesome right away. But what it's tough to swallow is. Um, just these these wasted minutes going to these already proven guys who are not helping the team. They're hurting. They're hurting the the rebuild essentially. It, well, do you think that if they bring these guys back next year with another year of Devin Booker, another year of of Bledsoe in his prime, and maybe Earl Watts? I feel like Earl Watson has actually kind of improved the last month or so as a head coach. Do you think? If they bring these guys back next year and they get a higher pick this year and add that person, they could use those pieces to possibly compete for that eight seed. I mean, the eight seed in the West is is good when you're a young team on the rise. Yeah, I I think I think that's reasonable. I would I would trade Bledsoe if you get a killer offer, like a like a crazy offer. Mm-hmm. Um. But I'm with you. Than, Although I've yeah, won but, 80 since two weeks ago when we, we started this podcast, yeah. and I was the one saying he's not a point guard, and yeah. something's clicked. 
So I'm, right. I do actually think he could be the guy for the next four years to run the team, but this is also his trade value is maximum and he has injury concerns. Yeah, but so that's why, I, that's why I'm still kind of good with if you can get something crazy. If, say, Philadelphia is like, oh, I, I love this guy and we want to give, give them the Lakers, the Lakers pick they own and something else, just something kind of dumb, I would do it. It, uh, yeah, but if you I, but he he's definitely at the point where you can't you can't sell him off just to get him off the team. You have to. He has worked his way into kind of being part of this rebuild, which is possible because he's still what twenty? How old is he? Twenty six or twenty seven? One of the two. So it, we're not talking. We're not talking about like a thirty three year old. True. One of those he old thirty three year olds. With- too bad menisci. Is that how you pluralize meniscus? Yeah, I think so. Meniscus. He's, he's hurt his meniscus in both his left and right knees. That that scares me. But I mean, you're gonna you you're gonna want some excitement. Ideally, the best case scenario is they get one of the top three picks this year. Get a young stud. The young stud's gonna take four years to become a truly become an impact player unless he's LeBron level. Okay. Right. You're going to want to have players in place to help you compete next year i i would hate to have this another this is the only year i want to quote unquote tank i don't want to do it next year so eric Bledsoe, you can go in the next year with eric Bledsoe and devin booker in your backcourt and think that's a pretty dynamic young backcourt and that would right. give us some hope hey matt i wanted to give a shout out to the author of this article on bright side of the sun yeah Pulio, which is a cool name um, I've yeah, seen him write some insightful articles before. Uh, we should have given him a shout out before we started talking, but we are discussing some of the great points he made in his article. The The next one he made that I thought was pretty interesting is he kind of talked about, you know, is, is it annoying? Is it annoying for fans who want to see the Suns win to hear other fans talk about tanking? Um, is it easier to swallow? Is t- is not tanking easier to swallow when you have stars to root for? So his example was the Suns weren't very good after they let Amari go. They were 500, but Steve Nash and Grant Hill had such star power that people seemed to be okay with the fact that they were a middling eight seed team, like challenging for the eight seed and nine seed. So if the Suns had some of these beloved players, if they had Goran Dragic and Devin Booker in their backcourt right now, would we be more comfortable with them being the ninth seed right now? I honestly, there, it got to the point for me personally, where I was tired of the Suns getting the 14th and 13th pick every year. Like you, you can root. Yeah. You, you want to root for your favorite players, but at the end of the day, if your fa- if your favorite pl- I I anyone who knows me knows that I love Jake Plummer. I was a huge Jake Plummer fan, but the Cardinals were not good under him except for like one year. So at some point, I loved rooting for Jake Plummer, but it was tiring seeing the Cardinals go four and twelve every season, right? Yeah. So and it was it, it you- was sad seeing Nash's last few good years wasted on a team that wasn't going to do anything. Right, so it's it, at some point you want to root for your favorite players, but watching them, watching them just kind of 
play out their days in mediocrity is not good too. And the thing that I think helps this is Devin, uh, like this is, we should just call this the Devin Booker podcast. Cause we're obviously going to talk about him and praise him every single week, but this is a son's podcast. But, I think that's par for the course. Yeah. But I mean, I'm saying we should just talk about him exclusively every week, but we it, should have uh, a podcast where we just say only Booker, but we, elongate or shorten his name to make it Morris Code-esque and people can <laughs> decipher what we're actually saying. Exactly. <laughs> I, uh, we would lose all I, our subscribers and sponsors. Yeah, I forgot what I was saying. Oh, uh, it, it softens the blow of knowing your team is not going to be good if you have Devin Booker out there crushing it every night. He's not in his 30s. He's the future. He's not one thing that Nash and Hill, Nash and Hill, Nash and Hill were reminders of the greatness of the previous years. So that kind yeah, of helped something that was gone. Bit. Right. So the you can glory still days cling over. Up. Right. But with Booker, he's he's like 16 years old. So he's a look <laughs> into the future, which I think totally helps. I will say some of these games that we want them to lose that they 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 have challenged and they've won. It's not as depressing because we're on the tank side, of course. It's not as depressing when you see Booker going off. It's you feel like okay, well, we should technically lose, but man, that was a moment for Booker. The game against San Antonio, I completely ditched my desire to tank for that game, and that was just fun watching Booker have a a moment in Mexico City. I think, and I definitely is, think that 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 makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, I think with Booker rooting for him to have these moments is perfectly fine because you need you need him to have his moments that help his growth. The problem is we don't want <laughs> it's going to sound weird, but we don't want Booker to have fifteen games in a row of moments. I, I mean, we do, but we don't want them to translate into like a five-game winning streak or a six-game winning streak. Does that make sense? But if so that want... means Booker takes the leap at 20, isn't that worth it? Because then he becomes the superstar that you're hoping you have a shot at if you tank. Sure, that's fine, but it, you, this this season's already wasted, so you don't want... You don't... Like, it, it, look at... And we'll use the Pelicans example again is anthony davis showed, i know they showed great promise their his first year so the second year when it would have been perfectly justified to tank again they traded nerland's noel the rights to nerland's noel and a first round pick for drew holiday it, it's okay to have these guys have moments and make a jump but at the same time, you can't really, you can't panic. That's like the, it's like Sam, it's like the hinky model of trusting the process, except we don't want to go through five years of garbage. But I think that's two different things you're talking about, Matt. Maybe you're, I am. I don't know. So you're, that was a trade. That was a bad trade they made after the year. Like if, if Booker right. crushes it and he single-handedly takes them out of the top five, that could be a great sign for the future. Now, if the Suns make, a stupid trade outside of that because they think they can win right now. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, that's bad. And I agree with you. They said, okay, well we we got the eighth pick in the draft, and we're trading that eighth pick in the draft for 
and I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, but, you know, that would be bad. But yeah. I don't necessarily know how bad it is if if Booker takes him out of that top three. I don't want him to do it, but then that yeah. would mean that he has made so much progress at 20 that there is your superstar. Yeah, no, that's fair. It, I, What we I, don't want to happen is... It's like Tyson Chandler and PJ Tucker play out of their minds and drag the Suns out of the top three, and then we're just pulling our hair out because Tyson Chandler grabbed fifty-five rebounds right. in a game they had to lose. Okay, so say that. Say obviously PJ Tucker is not going to be around on this team next year. Unless if they even they even if they don't trade him, the odds are that he's not going to resign unless something crazy happens. But I don't what is... know if I agree with that, but sorry, continue. Oh, really? So, I, okay, so let's say that even actually strengthens this question of is are the Suns a legit t- team? Can they be competitive uh, with Booker still improving around a team that is Eric Bledsoe, P.J. Tucker, and Tyson Chandler? Do they already have enough I... youth in place with Warren, Len, Bender, Chris, and Ulyss to kind of go get after it? You know, I, I think they do, mm-hmm. but we we can do better. The Suns can do better, right? Right. So to answer your question, yes, I think they did. If they, if Booker takes a sleep and and Bledsoe continues to be this player, and Tucker and Chandler continue to be these defensive stalwart stalwarts and we rebounders, and Bender and Chris subtly improve and Warren subtly improves. Yeah, I think they could be an eight seed contender. The the team they are right now is kind of frisky and kind of looks like that. And they're taking their late game crunch time lumps right now. Sure, they could be that eight seed contender. So yes, I agree. I think that they could. I don't necessarily think we want that to happen right now. We we want that. We wanna we want the Lonzo Ball or Markel Fultz in there to give us another shot at another Booker. Type right. player. I, I'm not saying that these four are on that um, Booker, Bledsoe, Tucker, and Chandler. These four are on the same level. But you look at a team like the Clippers with Blake, JJ, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Jordan, and if that if those four players can't equal a team that we think wins the championship, then Booker, Bledsoe, Tucker, and Chandler don't. You know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. because I don't think anyone thinks that DeAndre, JJ, Chris Paul, and Blake are a championship team. But that's an amazing, like that's a great four. Well, this is this is a different point altogether. But they're not a championship team right now with okay. Golden State hanging out there and Cleveland right. hanging out there. But two years ago, they absolutely were a championship contender. That's and fair. if they had the same team, if they could time travel five years from now and, you know, Durant's on the Warriors anymore and LeBron is retired, then yeah. that's not going to happen in five years, but you know what I mean. Then yeah, right. you could say, oh, that team might win it. I no, always think true. of the example of, of the 2011 Mavericks. They kept that team together when no one thought they could win, and then they found the right year to win it all. I, I, I wish the Suns would have done that back in the seven seconds or less days. Kept that team together because one year something was going to go your way. That uh, 
That's true. The Clippers three years ago beat the Warriors in the playoffs in Game 7. A game, Aaron, I went to and bought tickets day of for like $30. It Really? Yeah, it was Clippers-Warriors Game 7, $30. It was insane. That was Mark was, Jackson era, right? He was still the coach of the Warriors That was Mark Jackson's last season. So it was it was the year before the Warriors made the leap, and it was... But I just remember looking that day on StubHub and seeing that it was game seven and tickets were that cheap, and I had to go. It just but, shows uh, you how much of a Laker town L.A. still is. Oh, yeah. No, I, I actually, side note, I bought two sets of Clippers tickets today, and oh. one of them, I bought the cheapest tickets available, and it was six bucks. I was just like, I, I just want to go watch a game, and it's six dollar tickets. How can I not do who you, that? Who are you gonna see? The first game I bought was uh, the Seventy Sixers because it's gonna be post All Star break, so Ben Simmons will be there. Six dollars to and, see Embiid. Also, that's yeah, that's insane. Yeah, and then the last game of the year, home game is against Dallas. And I I bought those for two reasons. One, because Dirk is my favorite non-Suns player. And also, with all the Carmelo trade chatter to L.A., Mm. I thought it could be fun to see all those guys on the Clippers. Um, You'll have to see Dirk live. Right. But if you want to hear more about Carmelo trade chatter, I suggest you listen to the Brickhouse podcast with me and Bob Johnson. You like that plug, The Brickhouse podcast? is my favorite basketball podcast. Oh, man. And you're on a basketball podcast. And I'm on a basketball podcast. Um, all right. I, I, I'm kind of getting bummed out with the tanking, so can we, let's, move on to, uh, let's move on to the next topic of conversation here. So we've touched on this a few times, but Eric Bledsoe, or as he's been get, being affectionately called, Blood Show, Oh, <laughs> there's there's been something's happening here. He's been insane since New Year's Day, and he's getting a lot of publicity. I, I saw Charles Barkley liked him on the All Star team. Um, I was listening to the Low Post this week, and, and Kevin Arnovitz was mm-hmm. kind of he didn't put him on the All Star team, but he was the first person first person he mentioned as basically the first person off the team, which surprised me. Right. And he actually said he would he chose Mike Conley just over Eric Bledsoe and had Eric Bledsoe easily above Dame Lillard or CJ McCollum, which is that's a lot coming from a national writer. And there was a really good article on him in the ringer recently i don't know if you got a chance to read this map but yeah i'm, lo- I'm actually looking at it right now the By the number Danny one quote Chow. from yeah yeah we have to I keep forgetting we have to give uh we have to tell the people who the authors are who the authors <laughs> are of these fine pieces right the the best quote he had in the article was should you wonder what the halfway point on a westbrook c C3P spectrum might look like. <laughs> Bloodsome might be your answer. I butchered that, but that's kind of a cool line. So if you had to, if there was a spectrum with Westbrook on one end and Chris Paul on the other, the middle would be Eric Bloodsoe. That's a, that's a good place to be. Yeah. It, so 
I don't want to toot my own horn, but last year on the Brickhouse podcast, I kept talking about how Eric Bledsoe was having a sneaky all-star season. Like it was, he had a great year last year when he was playing. Um, But yeah, he, you're right. This year he's, he is, he's becoming an afterthought or he was an afterthought because he, of, of his injuries and he got shipped out for Jared Dudley. And then they had, he when they were when they were talking when the three point guards were around, all the focus was on Gorin being upset, and then the focus was how could they trade Isaiah Thomas for so little and now this is happening. So he's yeah. he's never he's never he's never been the main focus. the reason the Clippers got rid of him so easily is because they had Chris Paul. So he's never been the main focus of any of this stuff. So just now the fact that he's playing he's played so well last year and he has reached this other level where he I, maybe maybe you you have to correct me but he seems actually confident as a point guard he he does that, he he's showing i mean his i said two weeks ago on the podcast um that i didn't think he was an actual point guard and i think i right. mentioned that a couple of minutes ago so my apologies but um <laughs> he he has been one of the one of the quotes I liked from this article was actually talking about his, his pick-and-roll game, and they said, or uh, Danny wrote, in the past, the high pick-and-roll was simply a means of creating an alley for Bledsoe to explode to the rim. And these days, he's far more likely to be playing playing the, the, the high pick-and-roll at half speed and finding him in manip- sorry manipulating seams with precise pocket passes. And I've seen that. He is much better at the traditional point guard role. He's not, I'm going to get to the rim with as much force as possible. He Which is would more, be Westbrook. Yeah, he's more. He's swung more towards the Chris Paul side of things. He does make precise passes. He does set players up more. You know what? His shot... It's really improved. His shot has been great this year. Do you, do you think that that? Yeah, I'd be interested to know if maybe the reason he felt like he had to explode to the rim, because remember, he 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 played at Kentucky, so he was surround. He played with John Wall, so he was second fiddle to John Wall. Then he he get he comes to the Clippers. And then within what a year or a year and a half of being drafted, they get Chris Paul. So they uh, and oh, he was behind. I think he was behind Baron Davis when he was a rookie, right? So he's always been second fiddle. Then he comes to the Suns, where he's second fiddle to Goron, and then he's in this three. He's in this crazy three point guard system. So he probably always felt the need to stand out, which made him do things a little more wacky. But since he, That's a good, I, yeah, I like that. So I think he doesn't feel the need to stand out as much, especially uh, with the emergence of Booker as such a threat that he, he maybe he feels a little more confident in his, in the fact that he's not being hunted down by someone. Because I mean, Brandon Brandon Knight isn't hunting him down. Tyler Ulis at this point isn't hunting him down for a minute. Yeah, so no. he's for the first time in his career, he's pretty set as the main guy. You know, that's 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 a good point. It makes you think of this. If the Suns do get a top two pick and take a Fultz or a ball, 
is I just kind of reset the Bledsoe clock, put him back yeah, into well, that mode where I'm not the guy anymore. Well, Even though he, he would be I, the guy over one of these 19-year-olds, but he'd still, there'd be someone behind him, someone to, he'd have to look over his shoulder at. Yeah, it, you would, if they, if they do end up with the, one of the top two picks, if they are set on taking either Fultz or Bull, then you gotta, you gotta get rid of them. I, I it might, you gotta get rid of Bledsoe for that reason. And I would, I don't know if it'd be, I guess this is a topic for another time, but you would, you could look into like a, a one year rental or something, but you can't, you either have to commit to Bledsoe or you have to send him away because he's, he, he's, he can find himself in that position of just not, not ever having a home where he can control things. I don't know if you have to send him away though, because it's going to take, one of these young point guards, three years to, to to start reaching their potential, most likely. Okay. So are you saying that if he found the confidence now, he'll he won't feel threatened by Lonzo Ball? I would hope not. I know that's how I started the question off as right. I just I would hope that once he's found the confidence, he wouldn't lose that even with you know an, another competitor on the horizon. Well, it's but, not losing confidence as much as him just kind of saying, "Ah, oh, come on, guys! Like, what do you? What's the deal?" Yeah, he, no, you're right. I don't think he's going to sit there and think, "Well, they drafted him because he was the best player available, and it's going to be four years before he's 23 and knows how to run the point." He's just going to think another freaking point guard to work. Maybe <laughs> you know, maybe that I have I, to share time with. Maybe the ideal. The ideal thing is for the Suns to get three and take Josh Jackson. Maybe, like, honestly, maybe that's the most ideal thing for the franchise. But it... it Maybe yeah, it's to he, get four and take a Kentucky point guard. Oh, man, De'Aaron Fox, baby. Uh, De'Aaron or, Fox just screams Phoenix Sun to me. Who's the other... Who's I can't think of his name right now. The other Monk? Kentucky guard. Oh, uh, Malik Monk. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but it's so it's so hard to on a I keep referencing Brickhouse, but last week we talked about um the All Star teams and who is who's like the best player to currently to not who might not make the All Star team, and I I said uh, Mike Conley, just because I think it's kind of tough for point guards to break through, because mm-hmm. in so Bledsoe might not make an all-star team, but that that doesn't mean that he hasn't shown that he can. He's now become confident enough to lead this team. Yeah, I mean you're right. There's nothing. There's nothing to hang your hat at for not making the West All-Star team with just the pure point guard talent in the league. It doesn't mean you're a bad player, obviously. That. It doesn't mean that you're not worthy of it. It's just it's it's incredibly difficult to crack that that roster. Hey Matt, yes, you want to play a little game before we go? <laughs> I think I think the listening audience would love a game, Aaron. <laughs> so I was on the internet the other day, and I don't oh, know man. how Tell I came more. across it, but you, I came, you came across... across the internet. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I'd, I'd never seen it before. Yeah, actually, have no way to listen to these podcasts. 
because I don't have internet access. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, what, what, what? I came across the official website of six-time NBA All-Star Amari Stoudemire. And man, is it cray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is, there's a lot going on here. And I kind of wanted to... There's so much going on that you're going to think I'm making stuff up. So I wanted to play a little game where I, uh, I see if you can point out what I made up about Amari's website. Okay. <laughs> I like that. So his, his main navigation is home, and then there is a drop-down tab called Renaissance Man. Yeah, that he, is a, he is up. a Renaissance Man. Uh, there's Renaissance Man, there's Stat Posts, which I believe is a blog, <laughs> and then there's Media Store, Foundation, and Contact. But let's start with the Renaissance Man section of Amari's website. Okay. Now, he has some interesting sub-navigation, which is Amari, athlete, author, film, philanthropist, father, and nutrition. That, would, that's has, a, that sounds like a Renaissance Man to me, Aaron. It, it does, for sure. There's one other navigation item on here and i want to see if you can tell which of these four it actually is ready okay sir stat mr fashion mr vino or saint jerusalem oh man those are those are all those are all amazing because they're all they're all things that i know that amari (laughs) is into they Um, are all things amari is into I'll say Mr. Fashion is the one. You are correct. He actually oh, wow. has there I lied, there's one more navigation piece under Renaissance Man, um, which I'm not gonna be able to pronounce. It looks like Hippole Happle Jerusalem. Oh it's H A P Yeah, the the team the team he played plays for oh, over okay. in Israel. Gotcha. So I I do believe they call him Saint Jerusalem on that team. It, uh, it's, uh, okay, I believe it. I believe that. I I would think that he would tell them to call him that. I would hope so. Um, Aaron, but the, game, side the note, game's not over. It, well, as a side note, uh, on the, I'll tease a story. I'm not going to tell it this podcast, but some podcast I'll have to tell the listeners how my brothers and I were uh, scouts for a day for an Israeli basketball coach. In the really? summer league, yeah. You next episode, you need to tell that story. Yeah, I'll tease it. You know, I once saw Mari Stoudemire at a sushi bar in Old Town Scottsdale. Okay. And is my he, friends he about to talk sushi? to him. He was Sir Sushi. He actually had a a Diamondbacks jersey on that had Stoudemire one as like his name and number, but he was wearing it backwards, so the number and name was on his chest. It was pretty That's cool. Pretty great. That's <laughs> awesome. What do we got? What's the next question? So Amari's blog is called Stat Posts. And I'm going to read a, a few titles of posts on here. Yeah. And I want you to tell me if you can pick out the one that is fake. Okay. So Amari in Israel. Fresh start in the old city. 
putting the ball in Jerusalem's court. NBA star Amari Stoudemire, now a major player in the arts. Amari Stoudemire debuts new red blend to bathe in, Statpa Valley. <laughs> In-ball Jerusalem hotel host, former NBA star Amari Stoudemire. And finally, NBA star, sorry, NBA star Amari Stoudemire is now a legit and serious art advisor. How many, how many was that? Uh, five or six. Yeah. Oh, can you repeat the first two, please? The first two was Amari and Israel, fresh start in the old city. And number two was putting the ball in Jerusalem's court. I think it's that one. <laughs> Actually, it was Amari debuts new red blend to bathe in, Statpa Valley. I, I I mean I I didn't even question if that was that's so ridiculous I thought that was that oh that really was tough. the whole point of the game uh, you made yeah. my night that's so good <laughs> uh, all right there's it. only uh, two other things I have for you about this site okay and one's not even a question this is the last trivia question so what social media account Amari has about seven social media accounts listed on his web on his website. Which one is not an actual social media account that he has? Okay. Uh huh. So Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Snapchat, Instagram, Weibo, Google Plus, or Keek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, those names are ridiculous. Uh, uh, Facebook. No, the answer is Snapchat. Oh, wow. I thought he'd be all up on Snapchat like DJ Khaled. <laughs> you would think so with this, with this fashion, but that's probably why he has Instagram. He's he, definitely he on could, that Weibo, though. He... He could be on Snapchat like DJ Khaled and show pictures of his jerseys and just say, another one. Get it? Because he was one. Another that one. Is, I would totally subscribe to that, actually. I'm not even joking. That would get my follow. Absolutely. The, the, the final two things that stood out to me about the site is his email sign-up is become a stat city citizen. So if you want to... Get a visa to go to Stat City. Just go to amarisadmeyer.com. But maybe the best part... (laughs) Yeah. The best part of this ridiculously awesome website is he has a film section that has an actor's reel on it. That is just weird. It, It is a bunch of, like, shots of him playing basketball intercut with shows he's been on. Yeah, and only one show is actually a show he acted on called The X's. The other right. shows he's on is like E, in Jim Rome is Burning. It's not. <laughs> a, there's like this a, a shot of him in a Foot Locker jersey. It's yeah. not really an actor's reel. I, I did skip. He is an an episode of Entourage, but he shows the Entourage intro like two or three times, which he has yeah. nothing to do with. Wow, which is kind of funny. And then there is a long extended sequence of him, like, 
talking to David Spade in an NBA gym, and David Spade is in a David Spade Suns jersey. I uh, I just pulled it up, and it the screen grab on the YouTube thing is just David Spade standing there in a Suns jersey. So that is uh, that is the wonderful, weird, beautiful AmariSadamire.com. If you want to waste about 20 minutes of your life and just see what your boy Amari is up to, he's actually, the dude's pretty fashionable. Um, I, and the I give him credit well for, yeah, I, I give him credit for going balls to the wall on this. If he's, if, you know, he, he realizes that having a second career is difficult, so he's just just going after all of it. He's just throwing everything against the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, he's definitely, you know, he's trying stuff. I, 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 I appreciate that. Aaron, well, uh, where can, where can they find us on, on Twitter and all that? You can follow us on Twitter at Shazam Sons. We, we tweet often. So <laughs> I recommend we are, should we tell them, should we tell the audience what we're thinking about our next social media endeavor, Matt? I mean, it's an endeavor that plenty of people have already undertook. So sure. <laughs> True. We're going to be on Weibo. <laughs> what is that? I don't even know what that is. And I'm not being, I'm not, I'm being honest. I, I don't even know what Weibo is. I think is. Weibo is like, Weibo is a big, it's like Chinese Twitter. Oh man, I'm, um, like, I, gotta like, check I think out. it's the most used social network in the world. I think Facebook is that, but Weibo is up there. And yeah. Weibo is like Stefan Marbury has a major presence on Weibo. Of course he does. But back to our social media endeavors, we're going to start an Instagram page or account, whatever you call it. It's going to be it's going to be different, a little different. We're going to do some cool stuff with it. So we're just going to tease the Instagram account account right now but we'll let you know you're definitely going to want to follow that there's going to be some great probably, visuals probably shazam sons on that too right yeah def- unless unless some uh somebody already took it i hope not oh great <laughs> well we better end the show right now so we can get on that instagram but matt yeah, where, can they they, will... where can they reach you i'm at hey it's matt baker and you can email the podcast shazam sun show at gmail.com and if they want to hey, hear more you? of your wonderful basketball opinions where else can they find you oh yeah brick house podcast i do that every week with bob johnson it's uh look at the entire nba not just the depressing phoenix suns who i love so much <laughs> my favorite nba podcast what is your what is your twitter handle you can find me at a underscore zone where i tweet on a weekly basis. <laughs> unless i'm one... something catches my eye and then i'll tweet like a hundred times in five minutes yeah but you can always rest assured that he will tweet once a week at least exactly once a week you're going to get some something from me oh man yeah yeah all right good. Matt. good talking to you good work aaron talk to you all Until next, next time, time.